0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Light. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he's out!
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Visa and Indeed. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, all-around good guy, soon-to-be true Arkansasian. I don't know how, like... (laughs) I don't know what that is, but his name, his name is Eric Crocker, and this is him.
2: It's it's arc Arkan Arkansan.
1: Arkansan. Okay, Arkansan. I think that's what you, I was told.
2: You, which yeah, makes no you, sense. Once you like
1: hear it, then then it makes sense. But like trying to think of it like off the cuff, it doesn't work.
2: Yeah, it's yeah.
1: Because my Arkans wife called son. it like
2: Ar- Arkansian, and they were like, no. <laughs> No, no. They're she, like, called, they're
1: like, like, no she,
2: she called shotgun. shotgun. They like, no. I think she, I think my wife called it like Arkansonian or something like that. And they were like, no, it's Arkansas, which makes no sense because really none of it makes sense. And I've asked these people from Arkansas about it. Like how, like how is Kansas, Kansas and Arkansas is Arkansas, but, but not you
1: know, Arkansas.
2: Yeah. But not Arkansas. <laughs> I know.
1: I don't know, man. The English—it all just comes down to the fact that the English English language is just crazy. Like I don't know, that's pretty funny. Or can I can't? What's that from? Is that from Anchorman? San, oh yeah, where he's like San Diegoans, San Diegans, San Diegites. Like he's he's trying to figure out what they are. and He just has no clue. Uh, but yeah, how are things over there in Arkansas, man? How are you doing?
2: All right, man, it's, it's been good, man. Like, I think the biggest thing in my life is just, like, really slowed down. When I was in California, it was just, like, I was just all over the place all the time. And I never really had time to, like, take care of myself, <laughs> you know, I guess. Like, Play you know, Madden? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always found time for Madden. But, uh,
1: <laughs>
2: but now, man, I, I've gotten in the groove. I wake up. I hit the gym, come back. I do some homework. I do some film study. I go to work for, you know, a few hours. Um, once I'm done with that, my son and I go, and we, we both work out uh, and do CrossFit. Then I come home. Dinner's usually ready. You know, I hop on the podcast. I watch my shows. Like, I'm chilling. <laughs>
1: that's a good routine. Hey, you would be happy to know that uh, me and my girlfriend woke up at 545 this morning. I know that's probably not insanely early, but we woke up at 545 this, five this morning, and we, we went on a little two-mile uh, power walk slash jog, and I, the, probably next week I'll probably start throwing in some push-ups and sit-ups like on the way because we 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 do it right next to a a college campus and a high school so Mm -hmm. there's like grass everywhere and plenty of areas to do it so i'm gonna start throwing in some push-ups and sit-ups and just i'm I'm gonna take my life back yeah man i mean you know i I got tired of like looking weak and that's what it is for me too dude especially somebody i mean you saw like especially somebody that used to be like pretty big and physically imposing and athletic and you know i could i could go run two miles off the cuff whenever I want to. Like, dude, that's what it was for me. I'm like, dude, I'm just tired of feeling like a bitch. You know? Yeah, that's, that's,
2: that's how I felt. I felt like round and put – I have a picture, man, and it just – I was I was looking sad, and I had to go all <laughs> in. I went all in, man, and, and um, I've definitely changed my body like a ton. And I'd say about two months now, close to two months, I've been going pretty hard, and – yeah, I've changed my body a lot. It is a lot of dedication, really, with the, I mean, working out and and eating, like, you know, eating right. Um, I, I've seen drastic change, and now it's like, okay, once you kind of really get going, and it just becomes, like, a part of you in a sense of, like, oh, I got to, okay, time to work out, time to work out, instead of, like, oh, man, I got to go work out. Um, You know, I just got in a little groove, and, and now it's everything gets easier, especially when you see the results, you know.
1: Well, and it, it, like I come to the, came to the realization, and I'm not a big. I'm okay. I am a morning person. I have no problem waking up whenever I need to wake up. I only have one alarm. The moment it goes off, I'm up. Like that's just how the per, the person I am. So I don't have any problem waking up early. But I always just wanted. To, I, I always just wanted to sleep right until I needed to wake up to go to school and and do my job. But I just realized that with like streaming Call of Duty sometimes, with recording the podcast, with making dinner. And uh, like, you know, having spent having some time to hang out with my girlfriend, like I just realized the only time if I wanted to start working out again was to wake up earlier and do it in the morning and shower before I leave. And like do that every day if if I it's just it would just be too hard to fit it in at any other time unless I wanted to work out super, super late. And then I'm cutting my sleep off the other direction. So, you know, it was it was just something I realized. It was like, man, I guess the only time I got is when I want to wake up. So. You know, it was one of choice for me. But, anywho, 49ers land, not a whole lot going on. I mean, everybody, you already, I mean, obviously the week has already gotten the best of us in 49ers land. We know all the injuries that have befallen the, the team. Nothing has really progressed from that. Um, you know, like, not practicing today was. Uh, Tevin Coleman, who's expected to miss like three or four weeks, he's probably going to go on injured reserve. Remember, that's not as serious now; just means he has to miss three weeks. Um, D Ford now has a back injury that the team seems kind of befuddled on. They they think they're not like optimistic about it. He's just out, and they'll figure out. They're still trying to figure out for how long. So, um, and D Ford has dealt with back injuries in the past, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not practicing. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said he would be surprised if he started practicing this week. Uh, You know the writing's on the wall that he's not going to play on Sunday against the Giants. I wouldn't send him back out there on that turf Um, with an ankle injury already. So he's not practicing right now. Raheem Mostert's not practicing. They don't seem all that concerned about Raheem's sprain. Uh, Raheem didn't seem all that concerned about his sprain. Uh, They'll probably just he he won't play this week, and I wouldn't be surprised if he plays the week after. Uh, but he seems to be okay um, George Kittle's back at practices practice he's limited but the 49ers uh, social team did send out a video uh, that of like the team practicing on the east Coast and Kittle was seemed like he was moving around really well and dre Greenlaw was limited too uh, he had like a, a thigh contusion which is a fancy fancy name for a Bruce Um D. Jones also, after the Jets game, had an ankle injury, but he's cleared to practice and he's good to go. So that's kind of the injury roundup. Um, there's really nothing else that came from this week that's considered that I would consider significant. Um, Trent Williams seemed gen- genuinely concerned about playing on that turf. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know, man. Like, you'd have to – you've played on that Crocker, and I know I've got your thoughts on it before, but – to me, I like I see comments on social media, like, "Oh, well, other teams played on it and they're okay." There was only one other game on that turf. It's brand new, and I know you probably a lot of the turfs you played on were indoors, but there's a significant difference between playing on turf during the heat of the day and at night, right? Oh yeah, um, not.
2: Nah, I mean, that, <laughs> I don't know if you ever have you ever been on like turf in the middle like of like a hot day.
1: I mean, I have because that's what one of the, the high schools I used to student teach at had, but I've never, like, played on it. You know, like, oh, I ran around, I ran some routes on it, and, and that was about it.
2: Oh, man, I'm like, yeah, you put those cleats on, and you're running around on that hot turf, like, it burns. Like, your feet are on fire. <laughs> like, it, mm. it's hot, and it probably changes the field. Now, with me, I just never, like, paid attention enough to, like, no – if a field, you know, like what the 49ers are saying, like, oh, it's sticky. You know, like, it's the, you know, I've never paid attention enough <laughs> to, to know that, but I play on a ton of different turfs and I don't know, turf is turf, man. Like, I just know it doesn't give, and that's really the biggest issue with me. It doesn't give, like, grass does. So,
1: well, I mean, you, know, like- you
2: are more prone to having an injury, but, I mean, obviously, I mean, we saw Saquon Barkley get injured on grass. Like, you can get injured on anything.
1: Right. We, me and my dad were talking about it because I went over to his place to watch the uh, the Raiders game. And he was saying, like, he's like, because he's had some some to deal with turf, too. And he's like, look, dude, like, the first game, I think he said, he, and I didn't even bother checking, but I think he said the first game that was played there was at night. Was it, like, a, an evening game? I, I can't remember. Um, but he said he's like, playing in that turf in the middle of the afternoon, is way, especially when it's brand new, is way different than if you are playing on it at night. You know, and and you know if the, everything's cooled down, you know, and, and if the whole thing's made of rubber, the you know grass and rubber chunks that are that are put underneath the grass, you know, the the, the heat's going to drastically change what that turf feels like. And I just what I what I was falling back to was the fact that look, Trent Williams has been playing football for a very long time, and he's you know he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't necessarily seem like a veteran that would blow things out of proportion when they don't need to be. And he seemed genuinely concerned about the turf. So, you know, to me, I just, I'm going to take him at his word for it. I'm not going to, like, try to interpret it in my own way. Um, You know, the Jets had plenty of injuries during that game, too. They just didn't have any, you know, torn ACLs. And we'll see. I know that the NFL and the NFLPA are currently, like, evaluating the field. It seems like it's, I know the NFL had kind of already said, eh, it's fine with us, but after the NFLPA said, uh, it's not fine with us, and they kind of both went out there and, and apparently were evaluating it. I, if it were, if I were to guess, 49ers will be playing out there again. That's just the way it is. Hopefully the the injuries are not nearly as significant. You know, obviously. That's obviously the hope. Um, just kind of rolling through Kyle Shanahan's press conference here. Obviously he's disappointed that he got fined for not wearing a mask, but he, he said, you know, he had a good answer for that. He basically just said, like, look, it's not – I'm not mad that I was fine. I'm just mad that I made the organization look bad because they've taken so many steps and been so careful about this whole process. And, you know, just him not wearing a mask can give the wrong look for an entire organization that's putting a lot of effort into making sure the players stayed safe. So uh, I still think it's a little silly, you know, that they have to wear a mask given they're all part of the same organization that is constantly around each other, that is constantly being tested together. You, you know, like you have you have 75 Eighty players, you know, or tab, it is, Coaches, yeah, everybody, all just standing around on the sideline, and and the vast majority of them are players, and none of them have masks on. So, I mean, I understand it's like mitigating risk, you know. Any any person that can wear a mask should wear a mask. I got that. But at that point, when you've created kind of like a halfway bubble of people that are just constantly being tested, I just, you know, I. I yeah, Obviously it doesn't make doesn't sense. It. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's, it's, a little, it's a little silly.
2: They could just be trying to appeal to somebody. I mean, who? I, I, I don't know who. Right. But, yeah, it's like, dude, we know you guys test every single day. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. All right. So, that's I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. The, some of the players, you know, kind of talked on you know, the fact that they're going to try and they're just going to have to move on with with losing Bosa, losing Thomas. Obviously, that's that's exactly what they're going to have to do. Um, Trent Williams said Nick Mullins is just a very serious guy, and he he doesn't take his backup job. He he doesn't act like a backup. He he acts like the starter that's ready to roll. And and we'll see how he does. I'm assuming we're going to get to see how he does on Sunday against the Giants. So, anyways, I don't want to I don't want to keep us waiting any longer. Today is our mailbag episode. We gotta think of a fancy name for the mailbag episode, like you know, kind of how we had like Fool's Gold, you know, like we gotta think of, of something that, that kind of like has a has a striking gold theme for the mailbag. We'll I'll figure it out. We'll get it. But let's just start hitting these questions, so we don't have to rush through them. We'll just start. We'll just start getting into them. Um, this is a tough one that I'd actually have to look up. But actually, no, I need to go down to the bottom. Okay. All right, Ben Bernstein, set asks, how many touches? will Jared McKinnon have this week? Um, What do you think, Ron? What do you envision for for McKinnon?
2: Uh, We'll just say offensive touches because he's – hey, he has been the kick returner too, so we'll see how they do with that. I don't know if you want your Your, most betted running back uh, returning kicks. But uh, I'll say outside of special teams, I'll say 10 touches, you know, between uh, carries and catches, 10
1: I think that's fair. So last game, he had, he only had three touches, but they were for 77 yards because he ripped off that 55-yard. And then he caught one pass. Okay. So, I mean, he hasn't been – 10 touches is still a, a, a pretty significant uptick in production from that guy. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe – if he's considered the primary guy, I think maybe he might go a little bit above that, maybe 15, because you got to also realize that Nick Mullins is back there. I think if Shanahan feels like he can get away with running the ball, he will. But again, I say 15, but that's like what Raheem Mostert got in week one, you know, as like the primary guy. So he he might not, maybe 10 maybe is probably a more realistic number. Um I do think he'll he'll probably be involved in the pass game because one of the first things a defensive coordinator is going to do when a new quarterback is starting is they're going to try and blitz and you know send what they can to see how the quarterback reacts and see if they can you know frazzle him. So I think I think McKinnon will still be pretty involved in the pass game. He might catch, you know, 3 to 5 passes as well. So I think I think he'll have a pretty good game. I think the 49ers are going to consider him like the lead back, but you also have Jeff Wilson who's solid who's you know and he's kind of like a bruiser he's a good compliment to McKinnon and then they're expected to promote um Michael Hasty from Baylor right Is that where he yep. came from yep. okay yeah i knew it was a green uniform uh and he kind of has a, sk- uh, a skill set similar to McKinnon a little bit he's a decent he can he can catch and you know he's kind of a smaller quicker guy um you know i fred uh, fred Warner said that he he looked good in training camp and was making his cuts so I don't know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of ten, with maybe a few few catches, is probably something to realistically aim for. All right, back to questions. Um, William wants to know: Should the 49ers sign Des Bryant or Antonio Brown? No. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, I agree. I, w- I wouldn't sign either of those guys. I just, I think Des is just. Past the point of being a meaningful contributor. I mean, I, I know he has impressive workout videos and stuff like that, but I just I wasn't all that impressed with him when he was still in the league, towards like the latter stages. You know, I am obviously- intrigued.
2: I am intrigued by Antonio Brown. Now, the, the issue with him is, so one he has to miss a games, so you have to take that into account. It's not like he could just come and all of a sudden you just get to play him. And then the the second part of it is, I'm only bringing the AB in if he's going to be my primary guy and if he is going to be my primary guy then that means Debo Samuel is going to be out much longer than expected so if you're telling me there won't be any Debo Samuel this year then yeah bringing in AB to go with you know the other guys that we have but if if you are going to have Debo and you want to bring uh and you want to bring along Ayuk then I'm I'm fine because yeah Debo, you you got Sanu, you got Bourne, like you know you have guys that can play. So yeah, I, I don't need I don't need bring in anyone if you if you're telling me that there will be no Debo Samuel.
1: Right, right. I I'm I'm of the same thing, and I I just I don't know how interested the the the, the front office would be in him. Obviously he's extremely talented, but. That all kind of went to the wayside. And you see how many teams he's been on in a short period of time. So, I mean, I just don't know. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. But um, Delta, Delta Boy 662 wants to know, who are the future DBs for the 49ers? Well, I mean, I, th- I think unless something drastically changes, I think the 49ers are going to probably hold on to Emmanuel Mosley. But, I mean, do you have – do you have any idea who's, who's coming down the pipe, Crocker, that the 49ers could be interested in? No, but I, I know,
2: like, I was always thinking, and I, I know I've said it on the podcast before, that the upcoming offseason that they would go all in on drafting a cornerback. So I've I've always had that in my mind. I always knew that this year they kind of ride it out with guys that they had. And then as those guys, you know, in free agency or however you do it, I expected them to, you know, really go after and try to upgrade on, you know, in that position, like, you know, with young guys. But
1: Well, and to back you up on that, like, you were also, you know, one of the, and I and I always agreed with you, it felt the same way, but you were also one of the people that when everybody was calling for the 49ers to draft the DB, I don't know if it was last year, maybe it was a year before that, but where we were like, we were basically like, no, the 49ers still have, some healthy competition going on back there opposite Richard Sherman. I don't, I think it's just too early, you know, and you were even talking safeties too. So
2: yeah. I think well, the, the, the reason why is because it hadn't really like played out how it was right. going to be. If that makes sense. Like you, you, you no, can't just do the, the way where roster building goes. Like, you don't just throw guys, in, like just keep throwing guys at positions. Like you, you have guys who are capable starters. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like they're in a, position where you know it's like gosh you know like Dante Johnson has to start right no like you know especially when you're healthy you got Richard Sherman and, you, and they always have Richard Sherman who was going to be the guy so you knew that and then on the other side you had a couple guys who you know well Mosley who played well in his starts and then you had a Keller Witherspoon who has been up and down but he has at the very least shown you that he can play well to the point where it's like uh Let's see what we can get out of him in his last year. And then you have Jason Verrett. So I just thought – I just never thought that it was something where it's like, well, we're just going to go and draft somebody first round, second round, or spend a bunch of money on somebody and have this guy come in and play over Mosley, Sherman, Witherspoon. Like, you know, it, it, because what if they don't – what if that, the guy that you want to bring in to pay doesn't beat those guys out who have shown to be capable starters? You just had to kind of let it play out. Now, once you. Playing out like what it is right now this year, you kind of really have a better, you know, uh, vision or, you know, version or whatever. Like you can tell a little bit more exactly what you have at that position and how to move on forward. I know who Witherspoon is, and we'll probably get to that. I know who Mosley is. I know who Sherman is. Moving forward, I have a much clearer uh, way that I would address the cornerback position. But I had to let this play out this year. So that was why I did I, I I never thought that it would be something where they just put a whole lot of resources into that spot. And moving forward, I just I know like you said, I'm keeping Mosley. Um but aside from that, yeah, I'm drafting the cornerback high, like as high as I can.
1: <laughs> I agree. I think, I think that's the point. I mean, if you look at the rest of the roster, too, I mean, there's some, some definitely some good free agents that are going to hit hit the market in, in terms of the 49ers. I'm hoping they can hold on to Trent Williams. I mean, he's just so damn good. And, you know, I, I, I think the 49ers are going to try and get that done. You also got – there's a lot of people, okay? We can go through – we'll go through that list at a later date because the 49ers just have a ton of free agents coming. But I do think that that corner seems like it's going to be atop the list of of needs whether that's through the draft or free agency, but I do expect them to go the route of the draft. So all right. So Bags McGee asks, what are the top five potential free agents the 49ers should consider? Now I know you probably don't have a list of free agents with you. If you search if you search top NFL free agents, the first one is the top one hundred NFL free agents from NFL trade rumors. So but I, I was scrolling through this and I did find a few names that kind of stuck out, stuck out a little bit, you know, and it's not, I don't really feel like the 49ers are in desperate need of any of these players. Um, but I, you know, given they just signed Ezekiel on to, you know, Cameron Wake is on this list. I've always had a pretty high opinion of Cameron Wake, uh, even though he's definitely on the older side. I still think he's just real, real talented. Um, and I still think he'd be somebody that might be worth, uh, looking into, but again, they just signed Ezekiel Ansa, so i i I don't think that that's something that's gonna happen. I mean, another name that sticks out on here is taylor gabriel if 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 the 49ers ended up going down another receiver by some way, uh he was he looked his best under Kyle shanahan. Um, so i mean i would i would i would possibly look into that frankly, I was surprised they hadn't already gone his way uh, with some of the receivers they were bringing in for a workout. Maybe there's something we don't know. About him, Clay Matthews is also on this list. We talked a little bit about him out last pod. You know, he's more of a stand-up kind of edge rusher guy. Uh, a little bit of like a, you know, kind of like a hybrid, I guess. But I still think that he would have a role um, with the Forty ers if they needed him. Mohamed Sanu's on this list. Obviously, they already they already went about that. I don't know. I mean, Crocker, there is there anybody that just directly comes to mind that you could see the Forty ers still needing, or is it kind of just roll with what you got at this point?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, Clay Matthews. That, that's probably the only person I've thought of that I just – I don't understand why he's not signed <laughs> because, I mean, he is somebody that had eight sacks last year or eight and a half sacks. And, again, I think I touched on it before, but at the end of the day, that is production. That is production. And I feel like in a situation like the 49 I mean, you just brought up Dion Jordan to the active roster. Like, I don't see – scenario where i would rather have Deion jordan than clay matthews you know like and i know again clay matthews might not be packers clay matthews where he was but he's some kind of good because again eight sacks no matter how he got it that's still production, and he's far more productive than Deion jordan has ever been so um yeah that's the only that's that's the one free agent right there where i'm like yeah I, I would not have that guy.
1: got it makes sense um, Tony Charbonnier, I hope I just nailed that last name, C-H-A-R-B-O-N-N-I-E-R. Bonnier, Charbonnier, but I hope it's Charbonnier, that'd be so sweet, like Corey Lemonnier. Um, do you think the shortened off season has anything to do with all of the injuries we are seeing? Uh, I don't know, I'm sure it has a little bit to do with it. But, I mean, one thing that I always felt was, like, when people are talking about the shortened off season, and you would have to probably, – you probably have some more insight on this, Croc, is, like, it might be the off season, but the vast majority of these players are not doing nothing. Like, there's zero – you cannot compete in the NFL and maintain any sort of success or dominance without constantly improving yourself and staying in shape. And, you know, you hear about guys showing up in shape all the time, and it's just like – you're like, oh, man. Like, it's just – you can you just see the reactions to it it's like how does that happen so i mean i don't think a lot of these guys were just sitting around doing nothing despite the fact that they had a shortened off season and then you know at this point like by week 2 of the nfl season and the fact that the players had been practicing for a while and you know they had that ramp up period like i don't feel like that's necessarily the reason but at the same time like you had a shortened off season and now it seems like there's more injuries than we can remember? I don't know. What do you think, man?
2: Yeah, I definitely – I think it has something to do with it. And not so much, like, missing preseason games, but I just know, like, during OTAs how they bring you along. And they have different stages. You know, they have, uh they have like, the first stage, second stage, third stage, you know, fourth stage, and they have, like, little, little uh, mini camps in between. And each stage is building your body really starting in April to get ready for the NFL season and, you know, like building your body with that training staff, with, um, you know, the supplements that they give you with, you know, your teammates, like working out with them, them pushing you and stuff like that. Like doing all that, being around that is much different than when you're out kind of by yourself or working out with your homies and, and then, and then being thrusted into, you know, training camp. So, and I'm pretty sure there are a lot of guys who, like training camp is the hardest that they push their body. Which, like going back to OTAs, I don't care. What anybody says like you push yourself during OTAs, and you get in, you build up, you build up and get in better shape, better shape, better shape. Build your body. Um, you know, intense workouts. Like your workouts are two hours long. You have, you have your uh, an hour of weightlifting, an hour of agility of and stuff training, and then you go into like film. Like you, they OTAs really build your body and prepares it. To get ready. Now you do go home for a little bit before training camp and you have to kind of carry that over, but your body has already been getting built up to get ready for training camp. And then boom, you return to training camp and you hit the ground running. Um, so yeah, I think like not having that, those few months of OTAs to really build up your body to get ready for training camp. I think that has a huge effect because guys jumped into training camp and their bodies probably weren't ready. And then all of a sudden, I have to go a thousand miles an hour in a game, which you know what I'm saying like a few, like you know a few weeks later I got to get ready and I gotta play an actual game and push myself to maximum capacity like that's that's not I don't I don't think yeah I don't think there's a, a coincidence that we've seen you know so many injuries in the way that we have seen them. I, I, yeah it, it has to do not so much with the loss of preseason games. Which maybe that can attribute to it a little bit, just because again, some guys, you know, their first time they're really pushing themselves is in the game. But yeah, not not having OTAs, I do think that makes a difference.
1: I think, and I think that's fair. I, I just I feel like the like at, to this point in these games, the Forty ers have already done so much heightened physical. They've already got all the way through training camp. Like to me, like I feel like if they were going to get hurt because of a shortened preseason, they would have gotten hurt right off the bat. But, you know, I, I'm also not out there. I You know, I, I don't take part in the process. So, you know, but it, it, like I said, if if you if, – if this season passes and then you've got this huge, uh, you know, body of evidence from what in, injuries were suffered during normal, uh, you know, off seasons and then, you know, the following season versus – this shortened off season and this season, if the numbers are higher, then I would 100% think that the shortened off season was the case because it would just be too much of a coincidence for it to be just luck. You know, like, at least that's that's how I would think of it. But, all right. Um, Joser says, would you start and give majority of snaps to Greenlaw over Quan? I don't think so. I mean, I think that the 49ers will probably already eventually, they will eventually get to that point where Greenlaw will probably take over for Quan Alexander some somewhere down the road. But Quan's missed some plays. He's made some plays. I don't think he's done any anything near enough to warrant like him being replaced at this point. I don't What do you think? Yeah,
2: I'm not. I'm not there yet. I like the dynamic of having all three guys. And, yeah, I, you got to play Quan Alexander. And no matter what people think there are politics – Uh, In football, like Quan Alexander makes a ton of money. So
1: he's not going to be be making a ton of money to to, to chill.
2: Right. Um, He's just to the point where you just notice he's not doing anything, but then I thought I saw what, against Arizona, he forced a couple fumbles. So he's somewhat still being productive. So yeah, you you can't just, yeah, he'd have to do something like drastic to just get there. Right.
1: Right. It's just so obvious that he is not what the forty ers need. And and while, well, like I said, he has made some weird plays, or, you know, he has missed some plays, he's made some plays, so he, he's not he's just, he's just not at that point yet. But again, I, I do think that Greenlaw is like is doing enough to be considered like the successor. Like the forty ers aren't going to be worried about finding a linebacker to replace Quan because they're going to have Dre Greenlaw do it. But I don't think that it's to a point where like no 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 Dre Greenlaw used to be got, the guy that's out there all the time. So anyways, but all right, so before we keep going on with our mailbag, we need to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Leading the Way's Visa, and they know that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities, whether they're corner stores, coffee spots, favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. They're always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. Next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, it's everywhere you want to be, and it's the official partner of the NFL. Along with Visa, we've got Indeed, and even though sports had a break, your business probably didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gives you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are valid through September 30th. Okay. We're rolling, we're moving, we're shaking. Striking Gold Mailbag. Next question is from Zach Van Dyke. Is is at this 49er fan, Zach attack. You think do you think we have enough firepower on the edges with the guys in house, including Ziggy and Jordan, or would you like us to make another move for a pass rusher? Would you give away draft capital? Crocker, go.
2: Who would I give away draft capital? Uh no, because D Ford is expected to come back. So I know I know everybody's kinda done with him and everything and you know, I, I get it. But he's not on the IR as of right now, which is uh Wednesday at uh six thirty Pacific time. Um <laughs> he's currently not on the IR. So yeah, nah I wouldn't I wouldn't do it just just yeah, I wouldn't make I wouldn't do anything drastic. Let's, let's see what happens with him. You know, in the meantime, you do got you know, you have Eric Armstead who's still really good and very versatile. He can rush off the edge and play in inside. You still have other good guys that are getting after the quarterback with DJ, DJ Jones. He's been awesome. Um, Kilmann has been you know solid. And then you know you you you, you know you have a a, a Heider, Kerry Hyder who's been solid. So I think right now there's enough. To hold it over and see, like, hey, what happens with D four? If D four just doesn't come back, then maybe I, maybe I, I, I look to possibly trade for an edge rusher. But typically, guys aren't just gonna trade an edge rusher if he's any good. <laughs> so right. not not midway through the year, and not they're not looking at, hey, we just got this guy that's, you know, he has eight sacks and midway point. Let's trade him. Like <laughs> that's not how. It- Happens, right. So. If
1: you're going to pull a guy like that, you're going to end up overpaying and you're going to end up giving some crazy thing. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and another thing too, Ronald Blair is expected to come back pretty soon. Um, I think it has to be six weeks, I think, um, with the pup stuff. So I, I never, I just always forget to clarify that, but, and Ronald Blair was, was doing really well. Um, the last time we saw him on the field before he tore his ACL last season. So, I think that he uh, – you know, the unfortunate part is that he tore it in December in uh, in one of the games against the Seahawks. So it, it was very late in the season, and they, that, just, that just means that he's – that's why he has not come back yet. But I do have a lot of faith in him and what he's going to be able to do. He's not necessarily like, like a starting edge rusher, let's just put him out there and, and go to work type. But at the same time, the 49ers aren't going to replace – someone like Nick Bosa with one person, they're going to replace it with like three people that they're constantly rotating, trying to keep their legs fresh, trying to give as much, put as much energy out there onto the field as they can. Um, because, you know, you don't just, it's impossible to replace one of the best addressers in the NFL when you lose one, you know, Denver lost Von Miller. You don't just replace that, you know, it, it just doesn't happen. It's just, that's just. Did you some, see how,
2: you see what number Asa's is wearing?
1: Yeah, he's wearing Ronald Blair's number, isn't he?
2: What the fuck is up with that?
1: I don't know. I don't know. He he posted – all he posted on Twitter too, and it wasn't even – it was like a subtweet. He didn't he didn't quote tweet that. He just posted like those – you know, the emoji where he's like thinking, you know. So, <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> like, dude, like you just had Solomon Thomas go on IR. Like, take his number. Like, why are you taking my number? I'm supposed to be coming back.
1: Right. right? I, I don't know. Back. I think that maybe – I don't know. I want to like say like maybe it was a mistake and the the athletic department gave him the wrong jersey. I don't I don't want to say there's anything to read into but I mean that's interesting. It's weird. Ziggy yeah. Ansah out there. You know, the essentially Blair's standing looking out a window watching watching his ex play with another man. You know, it's like he lost his uh lost his spot, but I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to chalk it up to a mistake. I don't think Blair's going anywhere. They're not planning on bringing him back up or I I don't know. But okay. Ben Lee asks And this one's definitely for you Crocker. How's the secondary looking different this year scheme-wise with the new DB coach? You notice anything different between what they're doing this year versus like the Joe Woods approach?
2: I just I think just in general and I don't and this is going to sound weird cuz I'm a cornerback guy, secondary guy, but I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the scheme that the um, 49ers run because, excuse me, um, because I don't know exactly what they're being told to do. So I try to like not get too far into it, but I do think that I've seen more quarters being played and um, I've seen more uh, field slash boundary corners, which I can't remember 49ers ever doing that. Um, I actually, I think the last time I saw the 49ers do that was, uh, uh, Rashad Robinson and Dante Johnson, the first year that Salo got there, they did do some field boundary corner stuff, but I haven't seen it since then. Uh, so yeah, those those two. What things, do you mean when
1: you say field boundary corner? Like for our listeners. Uh,
2: so you have your you have one corner that always plays the field. So if the if the ball is on the far hash, then you know the wide side of the field that that's the field. The boundary is the side closest to the ball. So, if you know right now the way they've been doing it is Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon play. They have been playing the field, and Mosley has been playing boundary. So they you'll see them flip flop sides throughout the game, depending on which side is you know the wide side of the ball.
1: Right. So if if you didn't if you didn't know this, and this is kind of a little tiny thing in and of itself. So in the NFL you have the hashes, which are the lines that you have. You have the sideline, then you have the numbers, and then you have the hashes, which are the the lines that run all the way down the field. Now, if the ball is downed anywhere inside of those hashes, it'll get put exactly where the ball was down. But let's say you throw a pass out to a wide receiver on the far right side of the field, and he catches it and runs out of bounds. Well, obviously, they can't put the ball there. So they bring the ball, and they put it right on the hash marks, meaning that is the farthest Right to the right, the ball could ever be snapped because they'll never put the ball outside of the hashes because you just want you'd have all these crazy formations because the ball was three feet from the you know you could obviously envision that <laughs> right. like it just would not work. Right. so if the ball's on the far right far right hash, then you know if you're on the defense and you're playing on the far left, you you would be the boundary, and then the other guy' is to the field, meaning the vast majority of the field is that direction, you know, which is in in many ways it's not always the case, but a lot of teams will try to, to call plays to the field. I mean, you have just more space to work, you know, it, it's not always the case, but that's just, you know, you just, you have more space to work with and guys have more room to, to do what they're doing. So um, it, it, you know, schematically, it makes a lot of sense to adjust your defense to that. But if it's not something the 49ers did, you know, that could be a, that could be a change. Somebody, a new philosophy. So and,
2: and people do it different ways. Like, I mean, I've, I've seen colleges do it. I know UConn. Um, they, 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 they do that. They do field boundary. Like you'll see it. It's not just super out of the norm. But I don't know how much I've seen that typically in the NFL. Not, not to the extent where I've kind of seen with the 49ers recently.
1: Right. All right. Moving on. So we got El Palito Quesado. I don't know what that means. We're rolling with it. And this one's also for you, crop. Mr. drip account break down Mullin's drip who's got so so it's two parts break down Mullins drip, and then who's got the most drip on the team
2: okay so i I'll start with the most drip on the team. I'll start with
1: that. Does Mullins have any drip like is he have no any he's drip? nasty,
2: but it's, it's <laughs> weird why he's nasty, but i'll I'll explain all right because th- okay, hold on, first, let me get into like best drip on the team, okay drip it's there there's certain like swag or drip criterias for each position. So, you know, what a receiver wears or what a defensive back wears isn't typically the same thing that a quarterback is going to wear and to the same standard. So, you, you know, the expectations on how it's supposed to look on a player can change depending on the position that they play, if that makes sense. So, instead of saying who has the most drip on the team, I'll go by like position. All right. So, when it comes to the running backs, I think uh probably Tevin Coleman. He 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 looks he has he has a trip down the best. Uh quarterback, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo. Offensive line, Trent Williams, terrific. Uh tight end group, uh Jordan, uh Jordan Reed. Uh receivers, Kendrick Bourne for sure. Uh defensive line, I'd say Nick Bosa. Uh just the way he puts it on and everything. Looks good, pants way above his knee, like Nick Bosa. Uh, linebacker group, Fred Warner, uh, secondary. who I'd say probably typically a killer with this one. Um, last game he changed his helmet, man. I think probably cause of concussion. So he changed his helmet. Uh, but typically I'd say probably a killer with this one or, or a tart, or a killer or tart. And then there are some other guys like that just kind of like get it. So like, if you look at like the Steelers kicker or, um, the Ravens kicker, like, they just get it. And you could tell, like, the way they put their uniform on and everything. Like, it's real nice, clean. Like, they got a nice little drip going on. But when it comes to Nick Mullins, he actually wears the same exact thing as Jimmy Garoppolo for the most part. There's, But some of it is not just so much, like, what you have on. It's how you put it on. And, like, he tries to copy a lot of what Jimmy Garoppolo does, but he just doesn't do it quite good, right? It's like it's like uh, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan right kobe, kobe bit michael jordan style and it's like you're really close but you're just not quite mj right that's the same thing with nick mullins and jimmy garoppolo they wear the same under under sleeve the white one they both have loose sleeves uh they wear their socks the same like everything is pretty much the same but how they put it on matters and just for whatever reason nick mullins the way he wears his jersey even though even though uh uh, grapple has like the loose sleeves his are kind of cut kind of high and kind of tight still a little bit not tight but like it's like not as loose uh, it's kind of hard to explain like i just see it and then nick mullins his is like almost like the jersey you wear from like the store like he's just, <laughs> just like a little bit looser in that way like he is not it doesn't quite fit him the same way and then his face mask like it's almost like Jimmy Garoppolo's, but he has the one bar up top, and it's just really disgusting. Like, it's disgusting. Him and better weird. I don't know why. It's really nasty. But, yeah, there, there's – it's just – the way his face looks, and I don't know. It's just all, <laughs> it's just all bad. Really. Now you're like, just
1: – you're going too far, man. Now you're just talking about his face. Have you, you're going to start talking about movie. his family and what his girlfriend yeah, looks like. like.
2: I was watching one, one show or one movie, and they were like, oh, you have a punchable face. Have you – well, do you know what that's from? What's that from?
1: I don't know what it's from, but I use that term a lot. There's plenty okay, of people yeah. that have very punchable faces.
2: Nick Mullins, I don't know why. But that's the only thing I could think of when I look at Nick Mullins' face. Like, his face, <laughs> his face is very punchable. But anyways, you, guys, um, you
1: guys heard it here. Eric Crocker would like to punch Nick no, Mullins I, in the face. So, Nick Mullins, if you're mean. listening to this, know that I am not a part of it. It's just <laughs> Eric Crocker.
2: I don't <laughs> want to punch him. I'm just saying he has a punchable face. I mean, just like, okay. But, um... Yeah, nah, it's it's just the way that he puts everything on. It's 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 nasty, and I wish I could help him. I wish I could. Help I don't him. know. I don't
1: know what you have thought of my drip. I don't know. It probably wasn't great, but I used to wear all black everything. Like my yeah,
2: see, good. that's good. I had
1: I had black gloves, and then I would have a black uh, like you know a black band around like just below my elbow, and then I'd have black cleats and black socks. The little part of the sock you could see, because obviously the rest was was uniform. Um but yeah, yeah I was all I was all black. If they would have yeah. let me wear a black laser, I worn, uh, visor I would have a visor I would have worn it. Yeah. Just just to look like freaking Batman.
2: There are like different guys like even with quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo has a standard quarterback swag and it looks good on him. Uh there are quarterbacks that just like they just kind of really get it and they you know they look, just look better like Tyrod Taylor. He just gets it. He looks really good in his uniform how he got some good quarterback drip. Uh Andy Dalton for whatever reason, he he just gets it. Like there are <laughs> guys that just get it, and they put their uniform on to way where it's like, yeah. But there is also a standard quarterback, and if you look at quarterbacks, a lot of them have similar swag, different helmets and face masks and stuff. But yeah, some get it, and some like Nick Mullins. He just, I don't think he cares. But it's like he he is probably like he he doesn't care, but then still like, oh, I kind of I want to look kind of cool, but. Yeah, he just doesn't quite get it all the way. Jimmy gets it. You see him come out with the all oh, red Jordan cleats at practice with the gold bottoms. Like Jimmy gets it. He understands it.
1: Man, that's great stuff. You know, your podcast is great when the drip segment is just like the highlight. The <laughs> yeah. All right. Rory Roberts. Robert Roberts. Roberts. Sorry, man. I hate slaughtering names, so I'll just sit there and look at it for a while. He wants to know what's your favorite 49ers home away and color rush uniforms that's tough because I mean in my opinion in my opinion the 49ers uniforms as a whole have never really looked better than they look now in my opinion like they've gone through these phases where they had like weird black shadows behind them and they're classic I'm not saying they're not classic and they don't like they're not cool for for what they were but I feel like the 49ers uniforms in their current version, look the best. Like, I just think they look the cleanest. Now, one thing that – this was like a recent revelation for me. I used to always love the home jerseys the best. Like, I just like, it's red. It looks the best. It's red. And then, for some reason, I can't remember what it was, I saw the 49ers in their away uniforms up close because usually I was never going to away games. And I was like, dude, like with the gold helmet, the white, and then the gold pants – I was like, I was like sitting there, I was watching Jimmy like throw. And obviously Jimmy's going to look good doing whatever he does. But I'm just like, dude, those uniforms look really, really good. Like, I I don't know why they just all of a sudden hit me, but I just thought they looked clean. And then for color rush, I think the obvious answer is their their white throwbacks. Like those are some of the best looking uniforms I've ever seen. But I was also a huge fan of the all blacks. I would have made some changes. Because I don't, I think the 49ers sell it on their website. The 49ers, somehow, there's a helmet out there that's all flat black, and the 49ers logo is gold, and that's it. Those are the only two colors on the helmet, and it looks phenomenal. And I could just think of, like, that black helmet with the black uniforms, and instead of running with, uh, you know, the red numbers, you could go with something gold. But obviously, there wouldn't be any red in the uniforms, so that'd be weird, so. But anyways, that, that's my uniform takes. I think the 49ers uniforms right now look good. I think I like the aways more than the homes now for some weird reason. And for anything color related, I think what they have now with the all whites is as good as it gets.
2: Yeah, no, I, I pretty much agree with everything that you said. I am a little disappointed that they don't wear the all blacks at all. I I I think they maybe did away with it just because of 49ers fans were really split on them. There were a lot of fans that were like, "Oh, just wear the original." And it's like, dude, we have all year to wear the original. Like, let us have these all black ones every, you know, once a year. Like, they look hard, you know, man. I like why them. Not? They look great. And oh, dude, well, the helmets are go. Who cares? Like, the uniforms. Are <laughs> let them wear the damn helmets. I mean, uh, uniform for for one year, and. Yeah, man, like I'm really disappointed that they just choose not to wear them at all. Like those were, yeah, once a year, man. Like they came out with those all black. They they were they were awesome for a nice switch up, right? They were alternative uniforms. Let them wear alternate uniforms, excuse me. Let them wear them once a year. The all whites, amazing. Let them wear those once or twice a year as well. You know what I'm saying? In the rest of the season, wear your regular ass uniforms that you always wear. That are really good uniforms. But I'm if you can't tell if you guys can't tell I'm pretty upset that they don't wear the
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I I like them a lot man and my my Ford truck it's all black and then the only other color that's present is is red like I've swapped all the decals out for flat black decals with like red accents my whole truck is all black with just some that's little hint, little hints of red here and there um even my wheels they're Ford wheels but they're all flat black. So or, dude,
2: does anybody like complain like, hey man, we can't see the numbers like that's <laughs> I
1: mean,
2: we don't right. know who's do. like shut up who cares just watch the game man I don't right. care I don't know who's who's carrying the ball right now like I just want to see those uniforms just once a year.
1: <laughs> I know I agree. Now if you go to if you go to Google and you search Forty ers flat black helmet, one of the first things that should pop up up top. Is it's an all flat and, and and this was like it's a it was on the 49ers official website for a little bit, but it's an all flat black 49ers helmet, black face mask, and it has a gold stripe running down the middle, and then the a gold 49ers logo, and then obviously the background of that logo is black too. And I could just picture them having that helmet on. Now I don't think the NFL really lets you mess with the helmets, but like, dude, I was I'm with Croc. I love the the black uniforms with the red numbers. And I didn't think like I was it's the same thing. Like people would complain about like tradition. And I'm like, dude, it's a, it's one game but, like you can you can step away from tradition for one game just to look badass. Like like the 49ers in their first try created a black uniform that looks better than the Oakland Raiders. Like I've always been so disappointed with the Oakland Raiders because you have the colors black, white, and silver. You should have the most badass uniforms on the league in the league. And I just feel like they're kind of mediocre. Like my whole uniform would be black, and then I'd have like silver stripes and with like a white accent. And like we would just look like the hardest people that ever walked the face of the earth. But instead they just come out and they're like, "Yeah, black and silver. Woo! Like it it just doesn't doesn't look as good as it could. It doesn't look as good Not as it right. could. But anyways. Anyways. Alright. So we got a couple more questions. Okay. Um this one's from Rashad Jamal. Do you think the O-line subpar pass, pass protection is the reason they don't push the ball downfield more? Absolutely. If Kyle Shanahan does not have confidence that the, the O-line is going to block up a, a five-step drop, then they're not going to do it. And even in the, the beautiful deep ball that Jimmy threw against the Jets, he has already heard it this time, but even on the Jim, beautiful deep ball that he threw to Kendrick Bourne that, that Bourne dropped, he got hit right after and then he got hit like there was at one point where the in every pass he threw for like an extended period of time like an entire drive he was hit almost every single time or every single time so one hundred percent that's my take what did you think what, what do you think crap
2: yeah and it's the the, the the crazy thing is man like there there have been a couple of shots that were open and would be huge gains and yeah, the protection just broke down. One, I don't know if you saw I uh somebody posted the clip, uh the all twenty two view of Brandon Ayuk wide open, but Nick Mullins got sacked. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Oh, the Jets the Jets blew a coverage and Nick Mullins was about to go right to him and he just didn't have enough time to make the throw because uh Quentin Williams, it was when Quentin Williams got his second sack. And I mean just bullied you know, two guys or whatever, one guy being Trent Williams, and he got the sack. But the Jets blew the coverage. It was going to be an 85-yard touchdown or whatever. It was going to be an 85-yard touchdown. I mean, there was nobody within 20 yards of, of IU. And wow. Nick Mullins was about to throw it right to him and got sacked. And then um, the week before, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, we had our little leak play to Kyle check and Jimmy couldn't even um, carry out the fake enough to set his feet and, and and throw because he ended up getting sacked. So now they definitely that definitely uh yeah the protection's kind of breaking down on trying to take some deep shots.
1: Yep, I'm hundred percent. I think I think that that Rashad that I think that's a huge reason they're not taking shots unless they can. Kyle Shanahan's gonna have confidence that they can. And, and Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to set Garoppolo up to get hit. You know he's already hurt. You know that's the franchise still. You know so. If he doesn't have confidence that the line's gonna be able to block up a you know for a couple seconds, then just not gonna do it. Um uh, Mohammed Halabi asks, do you trust Jarek McKinning getting more than fifteen carries on the game Sunday, considering his injury history and the Met Life turf? Love the pod. I appreciate that, Muhammad. I appreciate that I appreciate the question and I appreciate the, the kind words. Um we kind of already touched on this, not in, but but in a different way. Obviously, your question is unique in, the, in that you're asking if we trust. I do trust. Like, if McKinnon got 15 carries, I think it would go fine. Um, I don't I don't think you know he's had two years to kind of work through his injuries and and return to to full health, and he's looked good so far. So, if the 49ers deemed him worthy of 15 carries, I would trust him with that. But the big X factor there that you mentioned is the MetLife Turf. Like, will he end up? with a sprained knee, just like Raheem and Tevin, uh, he could, you know, that's just the unfortunateness, the unfortunateness, the unfortunate of what they're doing. You know, that's just it. But I, I trust McKinnon with the 15 carries. I just don't know how it's going to work with the curve.
2: You, you gotta play. I mean, he's gotta play.
1: You so. just, you go. You, I mean, it's kind of what Fred, Fred Warner said today. Like, you can control the things you can control, and then there's the things you can't control. And as far as McKinnon goes, they call his number, he's going to roll it, and, and that's it. I mean, the trust really isn't a factor, but I do think he can even he can thrive. I, I think that, you know, I think he's working back into the form that the 49ers signed that huge contract to, and I, I think that the 49ers are, you see, envision him, although he's he's kind of just on a one-year deal right now, I, I think the 49ers envision him being as big of a part of that offense as they, they did originally. They just have... You know Raheem to compliment him with, and, and a little bit of Tevin too. So, um,
2: check As, your check your uh, Twitter account.
1: I mean, did you send me a message?
2: I just I just tagged you in the play.
1: Okay, I'm gonna watch this right now live. on striking goal. Watch it live. I want them to. get Oh my gosh, he's by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the yeah. ref running running way back there? Uh, yeah, because uh, there's there's somebody way 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 deep that comes into the frame, but I think it's I think it's a ref. You see what I'm yeah, talking about? Referee, Way out to the left, the referee, like yeah, past the midfield. Okay. Because yeah, I'm like, wait, they're not playing like insanely deep single high, but like, yeah, okay, that sucks.
2: Nah, that was a touchdown. And
1: he and and in, it, it even, even looked out. like Mullins started to cock back, like got him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then boom. He knew he had to set his feet to
2: to make that throw. But yeah, he just got banged was. Right best down throw. the ha-
1: right left of the hash, in between the hash and the numbers yeah man i mean look at that that would have been the 80 test. that corner thought he had either he had thought he had flat or or this i don't know
2: <laughs> yeah i don't know either. i don't
1: know dang man and that's that's just how it works do that and that's why that's that that video right there shows you know that gives a little bit of credence to the guys that say look we're going to build from the front back you know because there was a busted coverage right there and, it, and there's plenty of reasons to do either way but there, it was a completely busted coverage, and essentially them drafting Quentin Williams, kept that play from happening. You know, like that's that's, that's just how it works. Um, I'm sure that there may have been some chances for huge shots against the 49ers, but here comes Nick Bosa, you know. So right. that's the way it works. I think that's it, Croc. Wait, you know what? No, no, no. We got one more literally while we were recording the pod, and I think um, do you know you know, Mike Finn? Is yeah. he the one you have that bet with?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: why he asked. Okay, has- cause he asked, will Kendrick Bourne catch 45 balls this year? I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, so we have a,
2: uh, I don't want to say a friendly wager because, you know, we do have $100 on the line. But um, I bet Kendrick Bourne would have 45 or more catches, and he said he wouldn't sniff it. So uh, we'll see. Right now Kendrick Bourne is on pace for 45 he has, catches.
1: He has six. He has six through two games. So, right. so we start doing on that by eight, and that, he's right there. He's right yeah. there. He, needs
2: he just has to average uh, three catches a game for the season, and he'll he'll hit forty-five.
1: Okay, all right, man. Now we know. I, I think I think I think he will. Especially, like I think Mullins likes to throw to him. I wouldn't be surprised if he had like like six or seven next game. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, man. That's our questions. That went well. We were able. That was like perfect time. We were able to roll right through that. I yeah. appreciate. I appreciate everybody who asked questions, obviously for a mailbag episode, like without your questions, we have no episode. So thank you for coming through with those. Please don't hesitate to one. You can't ask multiple questions. You know, I wouldn't go crazy with like four or five, but if you want to throw two at us, you can do that. Um, And obviously next week when we roll around, if you have another question, ask again, I don't want anybody out there to think that because they asked a question this week that we aren't going to ask. We answer all of them. We'll just roll through them. So, uh, make sure you keep those questions coming. Uh, when you see those posts pop up on Twitter, ask for mailbag questions, share them for us. That way we get more questions. You guys get more answers. You get more content. You get more, you know, Croc talking about which 49ers players he wants to punch. And that's just good content, baby. Um, that's right. <laughs> but, as always, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making, making this what it is. Uh, we appreciate you. You're the only reason we're Rouchia doing this so. Um, but that's it that's it for us, we will be back here tomorrow, you guys will get this on hopefully on Thursday morning and then on Friday morning we will have our uh, 49ers Giants game preview for y'all, so again I appreciate you but for another week, this is Striking Gold signing out Peace The wait is finally over, football's back you might not be out of game this year but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season-opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, championships, futures, all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline is your online sportsbook expert.